This is the EPP podcast on the future of artificial intelligence. Today, we'll be looking at its impact on healthcare. So stay with us to hear more about how AI can revolutionize everything from prevention and diagnosis to emergency situations and chronic conditions. The promise of artificial intelligence has been with us for some time, but in many ways its potential has yet to be fully realised. A Eurobarometer survey in March 2020 showed that a majority of respondents would be willing to share some of their personal information securely to improve public services. In particular, 42% were willing to share their data to improve medical research and care, and 31% to improve the response to a crisis. Of course, that was before the COVID-19 pandemic and the essential track and trace apps. More about them later on. Gary Machado, the executive director of the European Emergency Number Association, explained that more and more emergency services are using AI tools to save lives. Corti, a Copenhagen-based artificial intelligence platform, uses machine learning to provide emergency medical personnel with life-saving diagnosis assistance by analysing voices over the phone. But AI can be useful in other non-emergency situations too. In 2019, Aqua Technologies was named the best female-led startup in the Startup Europe Awards. The company aims to transform healthcare by developing AI solutions that help bring the right treatment to the right patient quickly. The company, located in Cambridge and in Leiden, is leading the implementation of AI in life sciences at the European level. Founder Lubna Burofa says her aim is to empower life science professionals with AI-driven insights anywhere and at any time. We want life science companies to leap ahead in the intelligence race and empower the industry to support the delivery of the right drugs to the right patients and at speed. In order to achieve this goal, at Okra, we built communication bridges between healthcare stakeholders. Our AI systems open their minds, we remind them about the patient, about the end goal, we give them the bigger picture, we connect these people, the stakeholders, and provide the knowledge they need to take action. Our solutions have been validated and deployed by leading pharmaceutical companies covering a range of use cases, including commercial, medical, clinical and market access. Together with our clients, we want to address some of the biggest challenges facing the healthcare industry today. We want to empower healthcare professionals through AI to make decisions with all the evidence they need. Helping patients in emergency situations to manage chronic conditions is certainly important. According to the latest Eurostat figures, the average healthcare expenditure relative to GDP in the EU in 2017 was around 10%. But the COVID pandemic changed everything. Countries across the EU redoubled their efforts and poured billions into public health systems in an effort to contain the virus. And smart digital solutions also stepped in to help. According to the Council of Europe, artificial intelligence is being used as a tool to support the fight against the viral pandemic that has affected the entire world since the beginning of 2020. The press and the scientific community are echoing the high hopes that data, science and AI can be used to confront the virus and fill in the blanks still left by science. 
Track and trace apps were set up to map the spread of the virus and warn individuals if they may have been exposed. But it wasn't straightforward. There were huge privacy concerns. Many people were worried that the app would track their movement and pass it on to the government. And according to experts, around 60% of a population needs to use such an app in order for it to be effective. Two models emerged, centralised, where all the data is held in a central database, and decentralised, where the information stays on the user's phone. France, the UK and Norway began developing the first option, but later became clear that in order to gain public trust, the second model was much more secure, and the UK and Norway opted to follow the lead of Germany and others. This is just one example of why public trust in the security of AI and healthcare is so important. On the 2nd of December 2020, the challenges of AI governance and the opportunities of AI applications in healthcare were discussed in the Special Committee on Artificial Intelligence in a Digital Age, known as AIDA. Rapporteur of the AIDA final report, Axel Voss, outlined the challenges and some of the solutions for using AI in European healthcare. We um, are missing a legal framework, especially to the um, artificial intelligence. We um, should, uh, we do not have so far a kind of a general platform or infrastructure for our patients uh, throughout the EU. We do not have a kind of a, um, yeah, a free traffic of digital um, health services throughout the EU, and uh, we have to have in mind the questions of data protection, cyber attacks, and the protection of ethical standards. So what might be a solution in a very general overview, so we have more than less four steps to go um, to realize our um, common market for health. So at first it's governance and rules, second it's infrastructure, third it's quality of data, and uh, fourth is facilities and skills. And so, um, at the end, we need a European solution, a European common goal, and a European strategy for a European digital single market, so that we can have, at the end, a European um, health data space. So, we have to make sure that interoperability is given between the member states, between the hospitals or the um, yeah, stakeholders involved in the health system. We need infrastructure, we need the control and scrutiny, and we need this equality of data. Interesting thoughts there. Next, I'll be talking to Eva Maidel, a member of the AIDA committee, and asking her why AI is so important to healthcare and what sort of future she sees. So keep listening. I'm joined now by Eva Meidel, who has been a member of the European Parliament since 2014. She sits on the AIDA Committee and is also a member of the Committee on Industry, Research and Energy, known as ITRE. Thank you very much, Eva, for joining us. So, as we heard at the beginning, some people are already working with AI in healthcare. So, how developed, in your opinion, is this sector already? Hi, Jen. First of all, thanks for having me um, in the podcast. Um, well, you know, we at the EPP, uh, first of all, see health as um, a really key priority when it comes pairing uh, the medical sector and its development 
together with the tech sector, uh, because I think uh, both of them are quite uniquely advanced. Um, and I think that the medical sector develops as we speak uh, in, in that sphere. Uh, naturally, uh, if you combine the two, uh, then we'll witness uh, many more uh, breakthroughs. And I think uh, the COVID-19 pandemic also has shown uh, the necessity of such uh, breakthroughs. Um, we saw uh, this with the corona vaccine research, um, but also with the remote healthcare providers, um, with the remote general practitioners um, that have been extensively uh, used uh, over uh, the course of the past couple of months. Uh, and we have also seen, um, um, so say, an advancement in wearable devices and apps that measure saturation of oxygen, for example, uh, and many others. Um, so I think the sector um, is uh, quite developed, but there's so much more to see. Um, I mean, uh, even as we speak, um, there's uh, a number of uh, new developments when it comes to uh, wearable devices uh, that one could um, wear or devices that you could bring home, uh, which enable you to do certain checks uh, and you don't need to uh, visit as regularly uh, a doctor. Of course, this is all in, in the very early stage, right? So we should have a, a little bit of uh, precaution and uh, uh, in the same time also the willingness uh, to explore this, this uh, um, you know, options uh, that uh, AI in healthcare um, offers. Well, obviously, I mean, healthcare is a very sensitive issue to people. Um, so what do you see as the big challenges? Uh, we heard earlier in the podcast your colleague Axel Voss outlining some of them, and I mentioned the debate over privacy as well. Do you see any other barriers or, or hurdles that we need to overcome before we can sort of realise the, the AI healthcare world that we want to see? Um, I would agree that privacy is um, not just a complex uh, topic when it comes to discussing it in the uh, era of fast developing technologies, but it's also a very complex topic. Um, it's, uh, um, we have on one hand, um, you know, a number of citizens uh, who very heavily lean towards data privacy. And on the other hand, uh, you have citizens uh, who would share their data with whoever uh, and wherever. Um, so this creates some sort of a polarized market. Um, and this definitely doesn't lead us to a healthy data market. Um, and this is why uh, what's important in our work in the European uh, Parliament is also to fill this ga gap of data literacy. Um, the low level of data literacy or digital fingerprint is a major problem uh, for businesses, but also for society at large. Um, we could also say that when it comes to privacy, there's also a cultural problem. Uh, we have very different privacy sensibilities um, and sensitivities across, um, across the European Union. Um, so the way one member state feels about privacy uh, could be much stronger uh, than another member state, even when we speak about the way the institutions defend uh, the topic before uh, the, the, the European Parliament, for example, um, or uh, the way citizens feel about it. Um, so I think one way of making sure that there's, you know, enabled data literacy um, and more information is to work on solutions, uh, whether that's numerization or synthetic data, 
because the topic of privacy leads us to the other very big challenge of trust of citizens to technology and developments uh, within the AI sphere. Um, and it's, um, you know, if you do not trust the technology, you would never end up uh, using it. Um, so, uh, you know, those privacy concerns are taken with the uh, utmost um, um, seriousness uh, when we discuss um, the, the topics within the parliament. Absolutely. I think you're right in how it's, it varies across the EU. I think we saw that playing out in even how countries reacted with their track and trace apps to the COVID pandemic. And I know you mentioned it already, but I do want to come back to the, the pandemic and ask how it may have changed people's outlook. Do you think that people react differently to the idea of AI being involved in their health now? Do you think there's been other changes as a result of this big push we saw towards vaccines? Is there more of a, an open-mindedness uh, from authorities in, in considering every possible solution when there is a healthcare crisis like this? So first of all, I would like to think that the pandemic made us realise that without the technological advancement we have today in Europe and in the world, um, those couple of months, the past months, um, the lockdowns uh, would have been a completely different experience. And what I try to say is that I really believe that people have, um, the ones that maybe didn't believe that technology could enable our lives, um, I think that probably a larger part of society finally was able to grasp that we could solve a lot of societal um, problems or issues or challenges enabled by technology. Um, COVID-19, I think, uh, made it more clear that technology could be used for good. Um, we also saw a lot of solidarity between companies uh, when it comes to uh, the infrastructure uh, they're using, when it comes to uh, the cloud computing. Um, I think it made us um, basically realize um, also, most importantly, how much more we should improve uh, in the technological department in order to enable all these uh, solutions uh, to come through. Um, so, um, in a way, I think uh, it serves, you know, this very difficult situation could serve uh, good for the advancements we are to see in the near future. Um, I would like to think that uh, perhaps it enabled our trust a little bit more in technology, um, but we'll see how it all develops. Um, I think for the first time in a long time, uh, we have seen that we cannot take anything anymore for granted. So even if today we feel that technology has helped us over the past couple of months, it would very much depend what are going to be the next, um, the next technological advancements and how they're going to serve um, our day-to-day -day life uh, to be able to ultimately have a say on you know, whether this outlook uh, was changed in a positive way. Well, I think at least now when people think about AI, they're not all automatically thinking of Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator, which is a, is a change <laughs> for the good. Um, so finally, then, um, I know you're on the AIDA committee. Uh, what were the various things that you're discussing uh, within the committee? What sort of solutions are being proposed and what is on the agenda for the coming weeks and months? Where do we go from here? So I, it's, it's very important to say that uh, also me and my role as coordinator and speaker on behalf of the EPP group in, in that committee, I've always tried to, um, um, you know, make sure that this committee 
on the one hand, does not discuss things that we've already been discussing in the parliament over the past couple of years. And on the other hand, most importantly, it provides this place, this forum, uh, where we want to hear from experts um, from various fields, not just health, not just from the industry, uh, not just from the environment part, uh, but all fields uh, that could improve uh, by the use of technology and AI. Um, so we don't want to uh, suggest anything yet. We want to make sure that we have listened. So let's put it this way. We're in a listening mode. I think it would be very wrong if we as politicians uh, step into the committee and say, we already know what we want to do because we, uh, we know better than the experts. And I think it would be very wise if for once, uh, you know, uh, we actually uh, listen to the experts, um, extract the information from those discussions, add it to a draft report, then start negotiating. It's an ongoing work. Um, and I think it's a, a the space, it's a space to be watched. Um, but as I said, not just for health, but for many other exciting topics. And we would like to hear from the Brussels bubble, but also most importantly from uh, the European bubble, beyond the Brussels bubble. Um, we want that to be a place where we could hear from also national um, um, experts um, that have, you know, maybe good examples to share um, or maybe know-how on, on, on certain use of AI in industry that could enable us to have a more competitive industry. Um, so there's, there's nothing decided yet, and I think it would be wrong if we say we already know what we want to achieve. I think we need to make our mind as a discussion go, and we want that to be the place where, you know, it's, it's the heart of, uh, the EU, where we discuss the, the, the next uh, fast-paced technological revolution, um, and if necessary, to find certain le legislation um, that could enable us uh, or better protect us, uh, we would suggest that. But we still need to, to, to be in a listening mode in order uh, to understand better what is there to expect in that space in the next couple of years, and are we prepared enough? Uh, and what could we do to be better prepared if we're not? Thank you very much. We talk a lot about stakeholders, but in this area, we have an awful lot of people who need to come to the table in order to reach a solution from, from technical Absolutely. people in healthcare. We need medical advice. And of course, everybody involved in bringing that trust from civil society, as well as you legislators. Thank you very much, Eva Maidel. We will have you back, I'm sure, in our future podcasts. That's it for this episode, but join me, Jennifer Baker, for the next EPP podcast on the future of artificial intelligence, where I'll be looking at another sphere of our lives where AI can make a difference. Mm -hmm.